Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor David Hall, Senior Pastor of LifePoint Church. For more information, visit our website on www.davidhall.com.au. If you have a Bible, turn with me please the book of Proverbs. As I was preparing this message, it's been in my spirit all week, and, and, uh, but I... And and we'll have a look at Proverbs chapter 3. But while I was preparing this word, my son James came up to me last night as I'm typing up and just finalizing everything. He goes, Daddy, can I help with the message? I said, sure, what have you got? I was hoping for some revelation. He said, I've got Play-Doh. And uh, so he didn't help, but God knows. I was disappointed because I had writer's block. So no, no, we're all good. I didn't. Proverbs chapter 3. The book of Proverbs, right after the book of Psalms. It's sort of just a little bit near the middle of, the, of, your, of your Bibles. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 5. And, and it's a scripture we've probably all heard many times, but I want to open it up a little bit and, uh, and preach it. And, 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 and the title of my message this morning is, Faith It Till You Make It. And I know that's cheesy, but we, we actually do have a, a kingdom of God that, that sometimes when it seems like in the natural is not... Uh, coming into the order that maybe God promises, there are times where we actually have to live by faith and not by what we feel or what we, what we see. And, the, and, the, and uh, even, even God speaks to his people and says, let the weak say, I'm strong. Are we lying? No, we're not lying, but we're making a statement of faith that we're strong according to what the word of God says. Maybe circumstances uh, don't look that way, but the word of God says we're strong. So we declare and we, we live by faith. We, we live according to things we don't see but according to what the Word says. And, and I want to have a look at that this morning in Proverbs chapter 3. And it says in verse 5, and, and read along with me if you want to. You don't have to read out loud, but read along with me. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Uh, lean not on your own understanding, and in all of your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruits of your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, let's, that's our main text, so sort of stay there. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, For we walk by, we walk by, and not by, we walk by faith and not by sight. And then if you have a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 9, it says, and... Uh, this is a powerful passage, and I, I really like you to open your hearts and hear this, because this, this is really a key to unlocking maybe some of the supernatural things that God does and has for us in our lives. It says this, he says, he says as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. Now have a look, verse 14, it says this, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. I, I, I really love this, because the Bible uh, is telling us a few things. Firstly, it's saying, walk by faith, not by sight. 
So walk by the Word of God. Walk by the voice of God. Walk by what you believe the Bible's saying as opposed to walking by sight and, and, and going by natural, uh, natural emotions, natural senses, natural feelings. So walk by faith, not by sight. There are unseen things that are foolish to the natural mind, but to the spiritual man, they make sense. And, and there are supernatural principles that make perfect sense to us, but to those that maybe don't embrace the, the things of the Spirit, the things of the Word of God, the things of faith, they they seem foolish. It does seem foolish to love your enemies. I'll talk about that in a minute. But in terms of kingdom principles, it makes perfect sense because we understand the character and the nature of God. And, and, and he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And he says, lean not on your own understanding. How tempting is it for us to really lean on our own understanding? The Bible, uh, the, uh, sorry, the Bible doesn't say this, but I have heard it said of people, where you lean, that's where you fall. If we lean on our own understanding, we'll fall in that direction when challenges come. But if we lean on God, if we trust in Him, when we get battered, when we get, when we get hammered, where do we fall? We fall into the will and the purpose of God. Pastor George was on the phone to me uh, a few times, and they've had some tough days and great days with their daughter, Nikki, who's fighting cancer. Pastor George is uh, one of our pastors here at our church, and we love him dearly and is over in Perth uh, walking through a storm with his 40-year-old daughter who's fighting cancer and we still need to keep praying and believing God every day, church. Uh, keep it in your spirit. But uh, he, he was talking to me one day and he, they were having a tough day. I said, how are you, Pastor George? George Pastor George, I said, I said, how are you feeling? He said, uh, the old ship is battered, but the anchor still holds. And can I tell you, when you lean on your own understanding, you fall in a heap. But when you hold on to God, you say, hey, it's tough, but I'm trusting in Jesus. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I'm going to lean on what God's saying in that which is impossible. And, 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 and so when we talk about faith it till you make it, yes, it's a cheesy line, but it's something that I, I really do believe is quite powerful because when we do that, what we are doing is we are acting on His Word over our own understanding, our thoughts, our emotions what we think we know. And living with our own understanding, it limits us. I'll tell you why it limits us, because we know what we know, and we don't know what we don't know. And so if the only governing, uh, the only governing voice or ideology or thinking in our life is what we know, how many know we're going to live in a very small world? Because if we live and only, and only see the world through the, through the, I guess, the perspective of what we know, we're going to live in a small world. How many know that oh, we don't know everything? I don't know everything. I know what I know and I don't know what I don't know. But what I do know is that God has given us His Word. He's given us His Spirit. And so when we don't know everything, uh, there, there's more for us to grow in God and go, you know what? This might not make sense to me in the natural, but in the Spirit of God, man, I can grow, I can expand, and I can see the power and the possibilities of God in my life in the name of Jesus. Another reason, uh, trusting our own understanding rather than, trusting in God, leaning on our own understanding rather than trusting in God. Now, this, is, this might sound confrontational, but, and it's not meant to. It's just a reality. Uh, it's because the heart is deceitful. Isn't it amazing how we could uh, judge ourselves according to our motives, but would judge others according to their actions? Our heart can justify us and condemn another. Our heart and our emotions, our thinking, we can think some pretty bizarre stuff. I know you uh, in the nine o'clock service are very spiritual, uh, but I, I want to tell you right now, I can get jacked up in my head sometimes. And, and so that's why I understand my heart can be deceitful. The Bible says, Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? 
Some of you say, speak for yourself. No, I'm telling you the same thing. Our hearts can lead us, our thinking can lead us up the garden path. And I'm not saying we shouldn't think. Right thinking is absolutely biblical, but right thinking is when we think according to the Word of God and we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so we live by faith rather than what we know. We live by what we believe rather than what we experience. The minute our theology changes to accommodate our experience, we have a far lesser perspective on who God is. If you believe it, can you say, Amen. And so this morning, I want to have a look at, uh, I guess, the difference really between living and trusting in God and living by faith versus living by our own understanding. And I want to show you a few examples through Scripture of men and and people of God that uh, lived according to what God told them to do, when what God told them to do was highly illogical, highly unreasonable. How many know God has asked some people to do some weird things over many, many generations? Some of you have been told to do strange things by God. Some of you, you might have been in a restaurant. God told you to go and pay for that table and bless them because uh, they didn't have any way, way necessarily to get by without it being a tough week. And that was all they had. And you, you might not have even ever told them, but you may have just done something to unlock God's blessing in somebody else's life. Let me tell you, let's never, ever live within a small framework. Let's always listen to God. And when God says, hey, step out, you might not know everything, but how many know he has a greater idea than we do? Now, I want to show this because if this can unlock something in all of our lives, I know it, I feel like it has in me. And I know this stuff uh, with my head, but I feel like God just shifted something even in my spirit because this is very interesting. So stay with me. I've got a bit of scripture to read and I want to just show you and illustrate what I'm trying to say this morning. Uh, Let's have a look. Some unusual commands uh, changed how mankind saw God. The first one is Moses and the Passover. And it's interesting because uh, in Exodus 12, we we, we hear a story, Anne 11, that there was going to be an angel of death that's going to pass over uh, the whole of Egypt and take every firstborn male child. And so God speaks to Moses and brings a word of God through Moses and says, hey, there is a way around this and uh, I've got a way to circumvent uh, what's about to happen. And he says this in, in Exodus twelve three. He says, every man shall take for himself a lamb for a household. I, I'm just sort of uh, cutting it back a little bit, but you can follow with me. Verse five, your lamb shall be without blemish. Verse six, now you shall kill it at twilight, verse 7. And they shall, make, they shall take some blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses, verse 12. So I'll pass through the land of Egypt on that night. I'll strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all of the gods of Egypt. I'll execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. Listen to this. I love this. This gets me praying in the Holy Ghost. This makes me rejoice. This gets me pumped. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Can I say that promise hasn't changed? When he sees the blood applied to our life, when we get saved, when we give our heart to Jesus, the enemy wants to take us down. But when Jesus, when God sees the blood, he says, enter into my rest, you're born again. Now, it's so interesting that that passage, what a weird command. God's basically saying, I'm going to kill all the kids. Old Testament God had a, it definitely had a different style. And so he goes, we're going to, we're going to take out uh, 
it's a picture of taking out bondage, taking out uh, uh, the, the, the powers of, uh, of darkness that keep us trapped and held back. And, and God's shown us principles of freedom. And he shows us that if you would apply the, 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 the blood to the doorpost of your house. Now, that's a weird thing for Moses to tell people to do. But they did it in obedience. Now, what God knew that we didn't know is that mankind, see, that blood would save a household. But he knew the blood of Jesus would rescue mankind. And so right there, what they were doing, yes, it would save them. They obeyed it would save them. It was unusual, but it would save them. But it was also a pattern set up in Scripture for the salvation of mankind to come. So from then on, and even through, through the, the sacrifice of Abel, and so we, it's not the first time we see blood shed, but it is a picture of redemption. What God was doing there showed us that he had a total understanding, not only of that moment, but he knew what the future held. So listen to this. When we trust in Him and lean on Him rather than our own understanding. We're trusting, when we trust in ourselves, we can only see the peripheral around us, but we have a God who sees the future. We, we have a God who sees so much more than we see. And God knows what's ahead of us. And so we, don't, we might think it seems illogical, but we have a God that sees far beyond right now. So God might tell you to do something and, and, and obey Him, or the Word might tell you to do something. It might seem so silly in this moment. But God is an eternal God. He, see, he sees a thousand years down the track. He doesn't know that one, one shift in your life may change the whole direction of the generations that are going to come out of your, out of your life. And so it's so important that we lean on Him rather than leaning on ourselves. Do you believe that this morning? If you do, can you say amen? Number two, we see in 2 Kings chapter 3, God says, dig ditches. It's a, it's a crazy command. 2 Kings chapter 3, he said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Jehoshaphat's trying to conquer uh, and have victory, and they've run out of water. Their cattle are dying, and it's going crazy. And this is what the Lord says when they're already parched and already dehydrated. He said, Make this valley full of ditches. I mean, they're already in a place that should contain water, but he's saying, hey, I want you to go a bit deeper. Make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, you shall not see rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water so that you, your cattle, your animals may drink. Verse 18, I love this. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes we just got to do the thing he says to do and realize that whatever we're facing is a simple matter in the sight of God. And he'll deliver the Moabites into your hand. You'll attack every fortified city and, and, and so on and so on. And, and uh, verse 22, when the Moabites came to get him, uh, it says they rose up early in the morning. The sun was shining on the water. The Moab saw the water on the other side as red as blood. They said, this is blood. The kings have surely struck swords and killed one another. Let's go and get the spoil. They go in there, they get attacked. And so uh, at Jehoshaphat and the Israelites, they start to walk in greater blessing that's only wrought by the hand of God. It's interesting. They didn't see the rain. They didn't see the wind. It doesn't mean there wasn't rain. It doesn't mean there wasn't wind. It just means the rain poured somebody else, somewhere else, and they had to create a space to contain what God would do. Sometimes we won't dig a ditch until we see a rain cloud. Let me say that again. Sometimes we won't dig a ditch until we see a rain cloud, yet we have a God who is far greater, who, who, who knows what we don't know. There's a God that sees what we don't see. And so the first thing I was saying today is God sees our future. That's why we should trust Him. And, and second, we've got to trust Him because He sees a bigger picture. We can't see the rain clouds, but He can. He knows what's coming. And do you know the truth is if God says dig a ditch, you worry about the ditch, let Him worry about the rain. It's His job. I feel like even with what we're doing as a 
church, going to two services. I can tell you, I drove here with this crazy sense of excitement and nerves. Like, oh, who is, it go- is anyone going to show up? I mean, is any- who knows what's going to happen? I-, I don't know. But can I tell you, I came excited as well because I know what God told us, dig ditches. It's his job to bring the rain. And I believe it's our job to just serve God faithfully and he'll bless us in your life, in your home, in our church, in every area of our world. There's some things that God sees that we don't see. His perspective is greater. And it's interesting, not only when he obeyed God, he dug ditches that seemed illogical, but you know what it also did? It confused the enemy. When you obey God, generosity confuses the enemy. Loving your neighbor confuses the enemy. Speaking well when people speak against you confuses the enemy. Are you following what I'm saying? When we live according to the word of God, we live above our enemies. We we just live in a totally different space where we live totally led by God because he knows the future, but he has a bigger perspective. I I really believe this is powerful if we get this in our spirit. Uh, I I attended a conference in Las Vegas uh, at Benny Perez's church quite a few years ago. It was maybe four or five years ago. And and Pastor Benny's wife, Wendy Perez, who's a great preacher, she was preaching uh, at this conference. And she told this story, and I, I have shared it with our church before, about how her family went to Disneyland. And she took her son to Disneyland, and they were lining up for the teacup ride. And there was a ride across the road that had, that had um, broken down, but they had just got it started again. And that was the one that they really wanted to go on as well. And so she saw what they were doing. So she quickly grabs him, takes him out of the line and says, let's get on the other ride because she knew that that line would get smaller as that ride opened up. And so she runs across and her son starts bawling because he wanted to go on the ride they were lined up for. But what she knew is if she ran across there, they would get to do both rides and they would get to do the actual ride that they really had wanted to do the whole time. Are you following what I'm saying? I know it seems like a weird story, but she said in her message, she said, What's interesting is he was upset because she thought that he thought he was missing out on something, but my perspective was higher than his perspective. And sometimes God might ask you to do something that costs you, but we have to realize that God's only ever asking us to do something like that because he's got a bigger perspective than you and I have. Are you, are you, are you with me this morning? Are you with me? And so let me, let, me, let me say this. Whenever God tells you to sow a seed, it's because he has a harvest on his mind. Whenever God tells you to step out in obedience, on the other side of your obedience is the blessing of God. It's what the Bible, what's the Bible? It's a pattern of Scripture all the way through. Number three, we see Naaman. He gets leprosy. He's one of the great commanders of the Syrian army. And, uh, and he has leprosy all over his body. And to cut a long story short, his servant says to him, hey, uh, I know somebody who can help you. So his ser- this servant girl takes him to see uh, Elisha. And, and Elisha says, okay, here's the answer to uh, your, your leprosy, go and dip in the Jordan River seven times. Incidentally, Elisha never even spoke to him. It was his PA. He, sa- he sent uh, Gehazi uh, to deal with that. And so he was already grumpy about that. Uh, he thought that Elijah, Elisha would just lay hands on him and wave his hand and it would be gone. But he says, go and dip in the Jordan. The Jordan's the dirtiest river in that whole region. I mean, he, even Naaman was so insulted. He said, aren't our rivers better? I could go in, in the, uh, I could go and dip. In, my, in, in the rivers near, near Damascus. And they're, they're better rivers. They're cleaner. I can just go there. But God uh, told him to dip in this river. If he had dipped in the other river, it might have been cleaner, but it wouldn't be as powerful. Sometimes you might feel like you're in a spot that isn't as nice and as clear as you'd like, but it's in those spots that there's power because it's where God wants you. Don't curse where God wants you. But it's interesting here that the biggest thing for Naaman was 
pride in his life. God wanted to heal him, but he also wanted to do a work in him. And so when God tells us to do something, even if we're believing for a miracle and we feel like God's speaking to us about a strategy or just a step forward for our life and our future, sometimes we're concerned about just getting the result we want. But God is always concerned about our character and our inner world as well as a miracle. He cares about a miracle. He brought a miracle, but he cares about what he's doing within us. And so when God speaks to us and tells us to do something, recognize that he might be actually trying to work something within and of ourselves for his good pleasure in our life in the name of Jesus. Always follow the leading of God. Always follow what God's saying in your world. I, I, believe, I believe that the voice of God is absolutely trustworthy. Uh, do, do you believe that this morning? And sometimes we hear the voice of God and we lean on our own understanding rather than saying, Lord Jesus, I trust you. Lord Jesus, with everything I have, I trust you. God wants to work in our life. Elijah at Zarephath, in 1 Kings 17, and I'll, I'll move through this a little quickly, but he comes to a widow who has a little bit of meal uh, left over or a little bit of flour to make a meal before he dies. And this traveling evangelist, Elijah, says, I need to receive an offering from you first. Now, we would go, if, if that was me, and I've shared this around our giving many times, but if I went to the home of a single mum who, who, who had no ways to get by, who had no financial means. And I, I said to her, hey, uh, the way for you to get out of this is to give me some money, uh, please. That would be great. I'd appreciate that. How many know that I'd be on the front page of uh, the, the advertiser today, tonight, I'd be scathing and this money-hungry pastor. And, and I haven't taken money off a single mother yet. I, I wouldn't do that. But <laughs> I don't plan to either, by the way. But, but here... He comes in and he says, hey, this is what God wants you to do. It seems self-serving, but she obeyed. And that pot of flour never went empty. And for the rest of their life, it wasn't their last meal before they died. It was an entry into the realm of faith where God would bring blessing into their world. On the other side of an instruction, isn't it amazing that when God says to us, lean on your own understand, on, on, on me rather than your own understanding, we can trust him because we see in Scripture that he cares for our needs. So when God says, hey, step out, it might seem like it costs, but it actually is positioning us for God's blessing in our life in a real and a powerful way. I believe this stuff with every fiber of my being. Number five, we see Noah. God uh, tells him to build an ark. Genesis 6, 14, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. He said, what should I make it with? He says, go for wood. And he says, that's stupid. He says, make rooms in the ark, cover it inside and out with pitch. And this is how you should make it. And he goes on and he says, I'm bringing floodwaters to destroy everything. And he says, I'll establish my covenant with you, verse 18, and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, your sons, your wives with you. Firstly, Noah had never seen rain. There'd never been a boat before. He was getting lessons in in, in uh, physics, he had to build something, engineering, it had never been done before. How do you build a floating zoo? It's never, never ever happened before, but Noah obeyed God. He had to obey God while being mocked for the entire decades and decades and decades and decades it took to build that ark. 
They're mocking him. Everyday drunk people are there. You're an idiot. What are you doing? Oh, yeah, rain's coming. They hadn't seen rain. They'd never seen a boat. Two things had never been seen before. He was pioneering ground that to this day we, we are still seeing uh, his original feat of engineering happening today. And he followed God in spite of opposition. And it's interesting that Noah listened to God and we see that God thinks beyond what we even know. He knows what we just don't know. When we follow God, he knows stuff that we don't know. And if we're obedient to him, it's because he knows stuff. And I can't really explain it a different way. We don't know everything. And when we lean on our own understanding, we'll live totally capped by the possibilities of what we know. But you might be an average person. You might not be uh, the biggest winner in life in natural terms. But thank God that your future doesn't just depend on what you may know or how you were brought up or where you came from. But we have a God who sees far beyond what we know. And if we put our hand in his hand, he can take us higher and greater. You say, oh, that's just motivational preaching. No, it's the word of God. It's faith gets in your spirit and he lifts you up out of the miry clay, sets your feet on solid rock. And, and God does powerful things. And, and we can also see from the life of Noah that we lean on our own understanding. We're never going to see what God has for us because when we lean on God, we see that his plans are also bigger than just our generation. It's the generations to come. So as I go into just the closing part of my message, we lean on God and not our own understanding because God knows the future. He sees a bigger picture. He wants to work in our life. He cares for our needs. And he has plans that are bigger than us. Are you with me this morning? His plans are bigger than us. And so we've got to understand, while some of the instructions God gives us may seem illogical, such as giving equals increasing, serving equals authority, trusting in the unseen brings miracles into the scene, resting can equal fighting, losing your life equals saving your life, the last shall be first. We're in an upside down kingdom. And so I, I choose to live by faith when, when the Bible seems almost illogical. I trust it. And you know, and I'll, I'll share more on this as, as we go through the, the coming weeks. But all through scripture, we, we see God telling us to do things that don't make sense. He tells us to love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's easy. But then what about Matthew 5, 44, when he says, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. No thanks, I don't want to do that. I want to deck those people. I want to hurt them. I want to throw eggs at their house. I want to cut the valve off their tires. These are the things that Dan Hamilton tells me he wants to do to his enemies. I say pray for them, Dan. But can I I tell you? It's upside down. It doesn't make sense. But God knows when we do that, He's a God that sees all the things I've just said. His perspective is bigger. He knows that if you actually love somebody who's a jerk, care for somebody that's been a twit in your life. Twit's a great word. We need to bring that back. How many of you have got a twit in your life that you know God's telling you to love? Hey, put your hands down. We shouldn't speak of people that way. He says, forgive people. How many times should I forgive? Matthew 18, Jesus says, People, Peter says, should I forgive seven times? She's like, more like seven times 77 times 70 affinity sevens. In other words, don't stop forgiving. Does it make sense? No. I should be allowed to hold that person in a prison because they've hurt me. But no, I listen to God. 
forgive. Then he says, isn't it another thought? Generosity doesn't make sense. It says in, it says in Proverbs 11, there's one who scatters yet increases. There's one who withholds more than's right. It leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will be watered himself. It doesn't make sense that if I hold on to what I have, that I decrease, but when I release what I have, I increase. It doesn't make sense. But we're in an upside down kingdom. Are you following what I'm saying? That's why we faith it. There's people in this place. Let me tell you, people that, I won't tell you. That's not what I need to say. Fourth thing, rest and relaxing in God doesn't make sense. I should fight. I'm going to fight for myself. No, just trust him. Let him fight for you because he says, Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses what? All. Lean not on your own. A peace that passes. In other words, we, got to, we, we can get totally delivered from a spiritual life that just depends on our own understanding and we can totally tap in to the goodness of Jesus in our life. Mark 9, servanthood. They're saying, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? He says, hey, he says, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. If you want to be great, be a servant of all. Doesn't make sense. So you're telling me that significance comes from servanthood? Yeah, because we're in an upside down kingdom. So friends, we got to start faithing it till we make it. In other words, we don't have it all under control. I don't know how we're going to fulfill what God's called us to, but if we start by just believing the Word of God and living that upside-down life, we can see the victory that Jesus has. If you believe it, give the Lord a shout of praise this morning. Can we bow in prayer for one moment all across this place? You might be here today in our 9 o'clock service. You've never, ever had a living personal relationship with God. You've never, ever known what it is to have your sin forgiven, to be born again. Maybe you're in this place and you say, David, I'm away from God and I need to get my heart right with God. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe God's calling you back. Maybe you've come this morning. Maybe you saw our light up sign and you thought, you know what? It is time for me to give church a go again or give God a go again. And maybe for whatever reason, you've come into this house this morning and and I don't know why you're here, but I do know God brought you here. And if you're in this room today and you say, David, I don't know Jesus. Or maybe you've walked away. Maybe you're backslidden in your heart. Billy Graham once said, and we played it last week in church, that, you know, today we're going to ask people to make a decision for Christ, but to not make a decision is actually a decision in and of itself that time will make for you. And maybe in this place you, you might not realize it, or, or maybe you, you might try and put it out of your mind, but when we pass from this life, there's a heaven or there's a hell. And, you know, the truth is we're going to spend eternity in one of those places. And salvation isn't just an escape uh, from separation with God. It's also a living vibrant relationship with God in this life that you can experience. But maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus or you're away from God. You haven't been living uh, as you should. And you know, you'd say, David, I have to come home. I get to get my life right with Jesus. I, I got to get saved. I got to get things sorted out. I'm not living the way I should. And I know that I know that I know that today God's speaking to me and I need to be born again. I need to come back to Christ in newness of life. If that's you in this place, well, every head's bowed, every person's in prayer. Would you just slip up your hands so I can see who you are? I don't want to embarrass anyone this morning, but I want to give you a chance to find Jesus. I'm going to pray for you and we're going to believe that God's going to do a work in your life. Is there a hand? I, I see a hand back there. Two people lifted their hand. Is there anybody else that say, David, pray 
for me. Fantastic. Once I've seen it, you can put it down. Thank you so much. Is there anyone else that would say, David, include me in your prayer? Is there anyone else this morning? Uh, God bless you, bro. Fantastic. Down here. Fantastic. We're so proud of you. And uh, in just a minute, we're going to pray a prayer. One of our pastors will come over and just chat with you and help you on your journey of faith. And, and uh, we're so proud of everyone that's lifted their hand. And maybe if we could all stand for one moment. I'm going to ask no one to leave for just one more minute. We are so close to done. And, uh, but if you lifted your hand and, and you'd say, Dave, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Right now, we're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray it out loud with me. And I'm going to ask that maybe every person close your eyes. And across this place, church, why don't we lift our hands to God? Because that's where our help comes from. And it's a sign of surrender. And we're going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to ask those that lifted their hand to pray it out loud. I call it the beginner's prayer. Uh, it helps you on your journey of faith. If the praise team can come as well, that would be great. And uh, if you lifted your hand, we'll sing a praise and name. But if you lifted your hand, I want you, to, I want you to repeat this after me. And I'm going to ask our church to do the same. And uh, it's a prayer to invite Christ to flood your life. And I'm going to believe that God's going to turn things around in just one split second in a moment of time. In the twinkling of an eye, you're never going to be the same again. Let's pray this together, church. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you right now. And I ask you to come into my heart to change me, to make me new, to give me a fresh start, to give me a new beginning, and to wash me clean. And right now, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. And I ask for your forgiveness. I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you to wash me clean by your precious blood. And from this moment forward, I give my heart to you. Change my life. From this moment, I'm washed, I'm cleansed, I'm saved, and I'm born again in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, church, let's give the Lord a hand of praise this morning. If you lifted your hand, if you lifted your hand, we've got pastors uh, that, that just move around the room and, and, and they're discreet and they're awesome. You can trust them. They'll come up to you and have a quick chat with you before you leave. And, and uh, we, we'd, love to, we'd love to just help you in your journey of faith. We're so proud of you. And we believe that the best is yet to come for every person that uh, lifted their hand. And, and that goes for all of you. We're going to close. Let me pray for every person this morning as we go. And, uh, and we're going to believe that God is just going to bless you as you leave. And I'm going to believe God that he's going to give you opportunities to step into faith this week. Uh, I'm going to believe that God's going to give everyone an unusual instruction. Maybe it's going to be you're, you're, you're at Cafe Primo and uh, someone's opened a tab and you say, I want to bless the family. Or maybe you're at the servo and you can see someone struggling. Maybe you could just say, you know what, I'm going to get their fuel as well. And, and just be, I've done that one time and I was so embarrassed and so nervous I ran out before I could, because I didn't want them to see me because I thought they would think I was a freak. But I just wanted to be a blessing. I did it under God. But, but, uh, and then I forgot to pay for my own fuel and I got arrested. That's not true. That's not true. Let's pray. Uh, if you'd say, Dave, you know what, you sp- this spoke to my heart this morning. I'm believing for an injection of faith in my life. And, and I want to be obedient to the things that God's calling us to do. I tell you, there's blessing on the other side. Launch out into the deep and see God do something. Let's raise our hands if that's you. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, this week as people go, Lord, let them go blessed. Let them go favoured by God. Let them know that you've got something for them. Lord God, give people a chance to share their faith. Lord, give people a chance to find Jesus. Lord, give people a chance to be a blessing or maybe uh, apologize for something or, or restore a relationship that's broken. But Lord, I pray as a result of today, the fruit of today would be faith-filled people serving a God who is faithful and seeing great things happen in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we've come to give you all the praise. We've come to give you all the honor in Jesus' mighty name. And the people of God said together, Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise.